This is Spilling Royalty with Sean Mandel. So it's another week where Meghan Markle is the big story in a time where we would normally be talking about King Charles and his upcoming coronation. Big story came out that Meghan and Charles actually exchanged letters after the big Oprah interview two years ago in which they specifically discussed the member of the royal family who'd had a conversation about Prince Archie's skin tone, how dark he would be, Mm -hmm. and in Meghan's words, expressing concern. Mm -hmm. Now, this story has a lot of layers to it. So we want to peel them back just one at a time. I think maybe just starting with the actual letter correspondence that you're talking about between Meghan and and King Charles. Um, So this happened after the Oprah interview. After the Oprah interview. Mm -hmm. And Charles, it started with Charles. Charles wrote Meghan a letter. No other member, senior member of the royal family, had reached out to Meghan and Harry after this, right? Which is not entirely surprising. Mm. But Charles did. Charles wrote this letter, and he expressed his sadness over the rift in the royal family. Both he and Meghan, because Meghan then writes a letter in response, Mm -hmm. but both of them name this individual, who we don't know to this day, the name of the person who... Uh, raised concerns about Archie's skin tone, how dark he would be. So these letters have been leaked, but that name has not been revealed. Exactly. So it seems like either the full letter itself has not been given to reporters or was not leaked to reporters or (laughs) has been redacted by uh, the publication, which we should say as well, this was a story that was broken by The Telegraph, a newspaper in the UK. We should also mention that the person, that that Charles defended the person who allegedly made this comment or had these concerns about Archie's skin color, saying that the remark was not made in malice. Um, And Megan, she agrees. Like, they seem to be on the same page about this, that there was no malice, uh, that And Megan apparently does not accuse, says that she doesn't, not only does not accuse, but says that she doesn't think this person is racist. Mm-hmm. What she gets to is the question of unconscious bias. And she does apparently, again, according to this report, yeah. apparently does basically accuse the, the monarchy and the royal family of having unconscious bias and not really doing anything around it. Which is what we heard Harry say when he was on his press tour. And when Tom Bradley right. asked him about it, he said, I don't think it's racism. I think it's unconscious bias. So- right. And that press tour was about his book that came out in January, Spare, uh, you know, and, and that was referencing again that, that comment from Oprah. So overall, the letter was warm in tone. Right, uh, which is important. Yes, um, but it doesn't seem to have completely eased the tensions between the two sides. No. And it still left unresolved this question of unconscious bias in the royal family. And it, it doesn't appear that any steps have been taken formally or informally to do better. Right. There was no follow-up, really, it Mm. seems. That's what we've been led to believe from this report, that Megan sends her letter and then that's it. And the report goes on to say that, you know, as we now know, that Megan is not attending the coronation. And the report says that, according to royal sources, and according, like, that the palaces felt that there was no way in which they weren't really planning on Meghan attending. They didn't think she would attend the coronation ever, even though she was, you know, uh, from what we understand, invited. 
because of the fact that these letters didn't go anywhere. There wasn't resolution. Mm, Right. I think the question that this raises for a lot of us is like, why now? And we are leading up to the coronation. Um, So, you know, was it is there sort of malice behind the leaking of these private letters between and who leaked them? Megan does not seem to be too pleased that they were leaked. No, she does not. And she released a statement about this story, which is a little surprising. I mean, not fully, because obviously Megan and Harry are have been very clear that they are going to comment on and respond to stories about them, particularly when they think they are inaccurate Mm -hmm. um i'm actually surprised there's not a lawsuit accompanying this one i mean (laughs) yet well because and that's a exactly and that is a fair point because of the fact that one of their first lawsuit megan and harry's first lawsuit against a media organization was because of a letter that leaked that she wrote to her father thomas markle now, the difference in this case is that we don't have the actual letter. With Thomas Markle's letter, we didn't have all of it, but there were actually like pictures uh, in the Daily Mail of excerpts of it. Like we had verbatim excerpts. Right. In her handwriting re- as well, right? In her perfect calligraphy, yeah. because she did calligraphy as a side yes. hustle before she was uh, a duchess, which I love. Mm-hmm. But she did respond. Um, and I think it's important to read her statement in full. Uh, so this is what she said. And this was about uh, within 24 hours, I believe, of the story coming out. Uh, the statement was, the Duchess of Sussex is going about her life in the present, not thinking about correspondence from two years ago related to conversations from four years ago. Any suggestion otherwise is false and frankly ridiculous. We encourage tabloid media and various royal correspondents to stop the exhausting circus that they alone are creating. Ooh, scathing. It's pretty scathing. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it, it's, uh, yeah. It's frankly very Megan. It's very Megan. Mm-hmm. You know, there was one line, Maggie, that you and I had discussed about this that I thought was really interesting and tips us off that this is about the coronation. Yeah. Um, and that is the line, any suggestion otherwise is false and frankly ridiculous. Right, because it, it leads us to wonder, what is the suggestion otherwise, right? Right. And I think, reading between mm-hmm. the lines, I think that what she's talking about here is that the suggestion is her motivation for why she's not going to the coronation. Right. That this report seems to uh, hint at that Megan didn't want to go to the coronation because she had this letter exchange with her father-in-law and she wasn't happy with where it left off, that the issues of unconscious bias that she raised were not addressed, so she's not going to the coronation. Right. What Megan has said is that she's not going because it's her son's birthday. Mm-hmm. Royal sources have said that because of this letter exchange, they never expected Megan to go to the, the coronation. Right. So that would lead us right. all to believe that this was at least part of the preamble leading up to this moment of, you know, whether to go or not. But it's not Megan's narrative, right? Like her no, narrative. It's, it's not her narrative. Is that she's staying home with the kids and celebrating Archie's birthday. Um, and so I don't know. I, I'm wondering if Megan should have responded so vehemently in this letter. Like, like, does she have a right to be upset? I think she has a right to be upset. The question that 
we've raised before um, on this podcast is whether it's the right tact, right? Mm. Whether this is savvy or smart because they are very clearly led by emotion. I can totally empathize with the not wanting to be portrayed for the reason why, you know, right. you're not going to your father-in-law's coronation. And as a liar, basically. Right. But at the same time, um, the kind of leaking or unearthing of these letters, you know, Sean, you and I have talked about how this isn't just a family drama, but this is tied to government as well. It, it's it's about government. This is, you know, Charles is the head of state. He, there are accusations that the head of state and the his office have uh, are guilty of unconscious bias on issues of race. That's very serious. So we have a great guest. We could talk about these details for hours. Uh, but I have a great friend and guest that we are bringing on today who is going to talk to us more about this, uh, Jody Davis. He is an award-winning producer and uh, entertainment executive with years of experience covering the royals, uh, covering the royal wedding, and of course also recently the Queen's funeral. So, uh, And I've worked with him on some royal projects in the past, so I think he will be a great person to talk with about all of this. Yeah, so let's spill some royal tea. This is Spilling Royalty, a podcast that follows the piping hot stories of the British royal family, from London to Montecito, all the way to the upcoming coronation of King Charles. I'm Sean Mandel, a producer, pop culture devotee, and part-time royal correspondent. And I'm Maggie Van Dorn, the show's producer, Sean's biggest fan, and his occasional sidekick. In each episode, we will spill the tea. That's American for gossip. On the latest stories about the heir, the spare, and their kin. Tea will be served with some cultural context and history from across the pond that you can't go without. So without further ado, let's spill the royal tea. Okay, so... As always, there are other royal headlines happening this week besides the main story we're focusing on, which is the war of the letters between Charles and Meghan. So we want to flag these to you, but we just don't have enough time to get into all of them. So here's a little here's a little teaser for them. And if they grab your attention, you know, take a take a look, see to find out more. Yeah, uh, we can make time for Prince Louis's birthday pictures. We have to make time for <laughs> Prince Louis because he is the star of any royal outing that he partakes in. And we have, yeah. as you said, some new pictures of Prince Louis that were released by uh, Kate and William ahead of his fifth birthday in a wheelbarrow mm. that Kate is carrying through the country. It's just, again, quintessentially them. It's so bucolic royal birthday life. J. Crew catalog mm-hmm. again. Like, uh, and Kate didn't take the photo because obviously she's the one, you know, wheeling the wheelbarrow, <laughs> which is interesting just because she is usually the one that takes the photos. I really hope that Louis is going to be at the coronation. There are some people in reports that say he won't be, but I just want to see him get up to mischief. <laughs> Me too. Um, another fun story was that Prince William surprised some customers at a restaurant that he was visiting in the UK by answering the phone uh, while he was there like on an official visit. The phone just rang, and he was answering their questions about how to get there and you know, do they have tables available at that moment, and it, it just a really sort of funny off-the-cuff moment that, that happened recently it was really cheeky and it seemed like a decision that he just made in that moment (laughs) like I don't think it was planned no and I'm actually sure like they loved that Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean it was such great 
press for them because it just shows it's the whole like they're just like us so <laughs> they like to answer um, calls like not prank phone calls but like a prank answer and there's, it's funny if you watch the video he's like holding the phone and they're asking you know like directions and so the owner is like right next to me he's like how do we like is it on this street like is it how do we yeah um so it's it's a little it's, it's entertaining um, a good watch definitely uh, and we have, you know, obviously we're talking about Megan today. Megan made a surprise appearance uh, introducing her uh, good friend, photographer Misan Harriman, uh, who has photographed the couple frequently and has also photographed not just the couple, but um, their kids uh, when Misan was going to be giving a TED Talk. Yeah, and this is someone who has been in Megan's life uh, for quite some time. He's photographed uh, Lilibet. I think it was her official portrait, yes. right, on, on her first yeah. birthday. He Like the unveiling of, you know, like he does these, uh, there's not many photos that we get, you know, from Megan and Harry that they sanction. And he does a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he also took the photo of Megan and Harry's pregnancy announcement with Lilibet, that beautiful photo when they're both lying under the tree. Yeah. So it seems like she has really entrusted these milestone moments to him. Yeah, clearly this is someone that matters to her enough to make a public appearance, which is not something, again, you know, it's just a video appearance, but uh, enough to warrant that is is something because they're clearly very selective about what type of, uh, you know, public appearances and outings they make. So all that said, take a look at those stories. But we are now going to get into our conversation with Jody Davis. But before that, actually, we're going to take a quick ad break and we'll be right back. Jody, welcome to Spilling Royalty. Thanks, Sean. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? It's been a minute since we've... It's uh, been a minute. <laughs> yeah, since we've gone to chat. My my running joke on the podcast is that this whole pod is just really an excuse for me to get to talk to all the people I know and my friends right? who you know are in the royal world or follow it in any extent. <laughs> We've worked together before, uh, you know, covering the Royals, and you have a long history as well, you know, sort of following them. And I'm curious, I'm always curious, you know, how people first uh, did start covering the Royals okay. or like yeah. what their uh, understanding and knowledge of them was up until that point. So I'm curious, you know, where, where you started first uh, following the Royals and what you knew about them beforehand. Yeah, well, I think what started really my interest in them was the Queen came to Toronto. I mean, I live in Toronto. Um, and I waited out front of the church she was attending that day with a bunch of people and just seeing how excited people were and see how people lined the streets to see her and Philip at the time um, was just amazing. Like, it was just such a, a rush that, you know, it made me really appreciate who they were. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, I just sort of got into it. And then, you know, working in entertainment uh, news coverage for, you know, the last 17, 18 years, they are obviously one of the biggest entertainment stories every single year. Right. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that they're more so, you know, as you said, you're in Toronto, which is mm -hmm. a member of the Commonwealth. Uh, the mm -hmm. Queen formerly and the King is the head of state of, uh, you know, of Canada uh, and mm -hmm. of other members of the Commonwealth. Do you think that the stories, that stories about the royals are bigger in Canada than maybe they even are in the U.S.? Do people pay closer attention to them, generally speaking? I would say pre-Megan, 100%, it was much bigger in Canada, especially after Diana passed and there wasn't as sort of much happening, you know, up until when, when Kate showed up. Like, I don't think 
people in America didn't seem as interested in the royals as Canadians did because of that connection that we had the Queen. And plus the Queen, you know, she came here, I think, at least 11, 12 times over right. her reign. Uh, so she's been here a lot. Kate and Will came here during their sort of post-honeymoon uh, phase as well. So, like, there has always been a lot of visit, a lot of interest in uh, royals coming to Canada. So I think that really has sort of tipped us a little bit more than you. But I think once Megan showed up and the interest of Megan being an American actress – although she shot most of her career in Canada, um, she's still an American actress. And I think that sort of brought a whole new life into the Royals in, in, in America. So diving into the nitty gritty <laughs> of what's happened this week with Megan and Charles and these letters coming out, what do you think of the timing of these letters being leaked uh, in happening now just two weeks before the coronation when these letters are, as Megan at, you know, says in her statement, two mm-hmm. years old, essentially. Right. Yeah, well, I guess it depends on who you believe, right? Like, I, I think, to me, it feels... the that the, these letters came out at this time for a reason. Right. Um, the, the reason being that, you know, Megan is not there. She's sort of given a sort of stance to it without actually saying anything by releasing these letters about right. her not being there. Um, but as you said, like she's sort of denied that fact that had that it would came out this time. But as you know, anything that sort of happens about the royals is either highly timed or highly thought out beforehand. Mm-hmm. So I, I even think, when it's you know, sources, you know, that's the even thing. Even when it's sources, yes, yeah. Even when it's sources. So I, I think there there was a reason why it was released at this time. How do you think Charles and Meghan come out of this story? Do you feel that the story, uh, you know, speaks negatively or is meant to, like, put Meghan in, uh, you know, uh, or a negative light? Or if it does cast her in a negative light or Charles, you know, even and the, mm-hmm. the monarchy in a negative light? Because there's the question of, for example, you know, the insinuation uh if you believe the story which you know mm-hmm. uh says that there wasn't any change or response from the right. palace to these questions about unconscious bias which could be a, a knock against charles and the monarchy yeah i see that angle i i think at first blush this is uh a loss for megan yeah more than it is for charles um only because of the there's a little bit in the letter that says something along the lines that it sort of brushes off the comment that was made in Oprah that they somebody asked about what what the, what Archie would look like right. uh, when it came to complexion. That was sort of brushed off as as a, almost a nothing comment in the in these sort of back and forth between these letters. Um, and I kind of think it. I don't know what you think, but like I, I after hearing the letters, after hearing everything Megan has said, after hearing everything Harry has said on his spare uh, press tour, yeah. I kind of feel like the person who made these comments is a sort of non-essential member of the royal family. Mm. That's interesting and, because if you take into context, you know, what Megan said in the interview, which is that yeah. she said it would be very damaging to them, meaning yes. the firm, the monarchy, right. if she were to reveal the name of the person who made mm-hmm. those comments, which I, mm-hmm. I had actually forgotten. I went back and reviewed her explicit, you know, the exact okay. language. And she yeah. said uh, that it ha- that the conversations happened on more than one occasion, 
which I had forgotten about. Um, Yeah, I forgot about that too. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I think that that's something, because, you know, I think that it's sort of been baked in that it was one conversation. But so you think that it was maybe not, uh, because later also, like the day after, like we should remember the interview aired, there Mm -hmm. was a follow-up comment from Gail King uh, mm-hmm. And Oprah, you know, on uh, morning news saying yeah. that Harry and Meghan told them that it wasn't the Queen or Prince Philip, because that was yes. the assumption a lot of people right. were making. Yeah, yeah, they did. So that was automatically denied. You know, there's that one uh, book coming up about Charles, which confer- or doesn't confirm, says that uh, it was Charles who made the made the statement. But Charles, the palace has denied that. There's some people who thought Camilla was the person who made this the comment, but that has also been denied. I really don't think it was William and Kate. So who does that leave us with, right? Like right. if it's none of those six sort of major members, who does that leave with us? It was it it was it Fergie? <laughs> like who who was it, right? So who do you think, you know, uh what's the Latin phrase? Like qui bono, right? Or like who like who does it benefit? Like it's as you said, it seems to make Megan look uh, maybe not, you know, it, it put her in the best light as well as this story. But the question is always the sourcing. It comes from a British paper, The Telegraph. But as well, there are sources close to Megan mentioned, like, in this story. But, like, there seems to be an agenda behind it being released. You know, I, I don't, like, part of me doesn't think it was, you know, someone on Megan's side who, who leaked this yeah. story because I've, you know, Megan's done with this. She's already, there's nothing from her to gain from this, really, exactly. right? Like, if Charles didn't make any change, if, you know, there was nothing really for her to get out of you. She's not going to coronation regardless. Like she, she knows that she's not a well-liked person in the UK. Right. 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 So, you know, she's not gaining anything from this. Maybe Charles is gaining something from it because it does sort of make it seem a little less important in Megan's eyes, the way the letters are in. And it's interesting because, you know, if, I've kind of made this argument all along as well that if it is, you know, Harry has has said that anyone, any statements or any, or any, not statements, but any sourced stories uh, that have royal sources, he believes are all approved at the top, right? At the top level from the primary parties, whether it's William and Cade or Charles and Camilla. My personal view, uh, just based on, having worked in this is that that I don't think that that's always the case. I think that there are. okay, that was what I was going to ask you, because the funny thing about this is that it again, in a way, it benefits Charles, this story, but it also overshadows him. And it makes me think that there's like a personal score that someone is maybe trying to settle or just like, you know, uh, someone doesn't want to let go of the Megan story. Like they, you know, because it seems that Charles wants, does want to move on from it. So to me, it seems like this is not coming from, you know, it's coming from a palace source. It's coming from someone who is either, they may not work there anymore because this was two years ago, but it's someone that has that knowledge. But I don't buy that it necessarily has been signed off at the highest level. Do you? Uh, no, I agree with you. I, I think the reason why that we're hearing about this probably is because the Royals are is a is a business for people who cover it, for people who consume it. Right. You know, the Telegraph, I'm sure, is getting tons of hits on their site for this oh, exclusive yeah. story, right? And so, I, you know, I think, you know, I'm not saying that this doesn't, this letters didn't happen. I, I'm pretty sure they probably did. But I don't think this is something, as you said, I don't think this is something that Charles signed off on. I don't think this is something that Megan signed off on. I think it's somebody 
who had this information and found a way to make money from it. I, I yeah, I think that you're right on the money with that because <laughs> it, it it just doesn't um, pass the snuff test to me no. that it would be no. that Charles or Megan or anyone like at that level would have been the ones that wanted this story out there. Um, exactly. Yeah. But interestingly, you know, as you said, Megan Megan responded, and I'm curious what you made of you know one why she decided to respond to this um, because it could kind of be. I think there's a world in which you could argue it's a, a nothing burger um, mm-hmm. because it is about something from two years ago. Um, and then what you made of the tenor of her response and just what she actually said. Right. I, you know, I think Megan confirmed that this letter was written because I think deep down, Megan wants Harry and Charles to be on good terms. And I think Interesting. if she if she can come across as the person who barters that deal for them to be on good terms that looks really good for her Mm. and maybe that looks better for her to sort of get back you know in on you know the royal family no one wants to be that person who is seen as the person who's blamed for splitting somebody up right or right or causing family rift no one wants to be seen as person you do want to be seen as the person who can get it back together who heals it right who heals it right i think you if you look at the netflix documentary megan speaks so proudly at that moment when she, about Charles walking her down the aisle yeah. that I think she still has this sort of kindness towards Charles a bit. So, yeah, I think, you know, but then at the same time, as you said, like her tenor of the thing is very like, don't come for me. Like, right? I have it's nothing like, to do with this. It's a clap yeah. back in a way. I felt Yeah. Like. Almost right. Yeah. The best way you can in a, in a professional statement, right? right. Like it's like per my previous email. Yes. <laughs> like it's got the a, same yes, like content like tone as that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I don't know, it's always there's so much nu- nuance in everything Megan and Harry do. Right. And anything royal. S- anything royal. And then, you know, they so, so many times contradict each other too, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, like as you always brought up with what Harry said in in his interview with ITV and even what he said with when he talked to Anderson Cooper when he's promoting Spare, there were a lot of things in there that he said that were different than what he was said either in the Netflix doc or what he said in the Oprah interview. Totally. And I think that yeah. that's, and sometimes it seems like him and Megan are maybe not on, on the same page, on the same page. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, but that, yeah, that can happen in relationships though. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, one of the things we also have been talking about with the coronation, which I do think relates to why, uh, or could relate to anyway, why Megan would respond is the fact that the coronation is falling on Archie's uh, fourth birthday, Prince Archie's fourth birthday. Yeah. Um, there's conspiracy theories that this was done intentionally. You know, the story in the Telegraph uh, was saying that there was, they believed there was no way that Meghan was going to attend the coronation because of the those letters, right? Because they kind of just left and nothing happened afterwards. Mm. Um, Megan has said that she's not going to the coronation because she wants to be with her son. Uh, Archie and Lilibet were not included on the invitation to the coronation. Um, it seems there seems to be a subtext or I wonder if you could argue that there's a subtext that Megan is responding uh, in this statement because she wants to make clear that the reason she that she has not lied, that the reason she is not going to the coronation is not because of these letters. It's truly because of her son. Yeah, I think, you know, I think you're right. I think she wants people 
to believe whether it's true or not that the reason she's not going is for Archie. Right. Um, but I, I don't know. I also think a part of me is like, if she got the invite, part of me thinks she would go. Like, I think, you know, there's part of me that still thinks that she has this desire to be seen by, you know, this is a big event. <laughs> it's going to be seen by a lot of people. It's a historic uh, event. It's a historic event. You know, as much as, you know, one of the things that a lot of people have have really turned the tide on them for is the fact that they constantly ask for privacy and then you see them at a lot of different things and doing things. So I think they, their idea of privacy is different than what the public's idea of privacy is. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's also the same time, like it is only not to, you know, sound crass or anything, but it is Archie's fourth birthday. It's not, I, I, you know, I, I thought about this when it came <laughs> out because, and granted, uh, this is no shade at my brother and sister-in-law right. and my family, but they yeah. have a very loose relationship with their, I have four nephews, with okay. their children's birthdays and like what day it is celebrated on. Like mm. it is, it's, if there is a thing that's happening, like they were on a road trip when they were moving recently and yeah. they thought, okay, well, you know, the kids are traveling with their friends who are also on a road trip. So we're going to celebrate, you know, one of uh, my nephew's birthday who's, a few weeks away, but let's do it right. now. So, uh, and you know, and he's he's not four; he's a little bit older. Yeah. So, I, I did think that like how sacred is a fourth birthday exactly, compared to right? the coronation <laughs> of your father-in-law and the yeah. monarch of you know the United Kingdom? Yeah, the day he's been waiting seven decades for <laughs> that you hasn't know, and, uh, something that only has like hasn't happened in seven yeah. decades too. Yeah, yeah, like my same thing. My daughter just turned 12 we sell she had her sort of birthday party three or four days before she actually turned 12 so yeah i think there are a lot of parents who would sort of laugh and giggle a little bit at the importance of a four-year-old's birthday party yeah you're still going to celebrate the kid's birthday it might not be on the exact day the interesting another uh point about her statement in response to all of this is that she said i'm living in the present you know um and I think there are a lot of people, um, and I'm not saying I agree with them, but there are a lot of people who watched the, you know, or watched the docuseries, um, or at least saw clips of it, had seen the Oprah interview or had seen clips of it or coverage. The It was impossible, I think, to avoid coverage of Spare, Harry's yes. book, because of how <laughs> sensational the headlines were and the drip, drip, yeah. drip of them all. And I think a lot of people would question, are you living in the present? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think maybe that's sort of why the sort of narrative of this four-year-old's birthday party has sort of taken such hold because she wants to, again, go back to being in the present. And sort of what you said you know, earlier, that nothing that Harry and Meghan do is not planned, is exactly. not sort of controlled. By saying words like being in the present, by saying I'm staying here to celebrate my child's birthday in his moment of the fourth birthday, are all sort of in sort of line with the narrative they're trying to tell, right? Yeah. But yes, there are people out there who, whether you agree or not, don't think that Meg and Harry have been able to move past the past and into the present. And to that point, you know, what we're all wondering, I guess, like, what is the present? Like, what does the present mm -hmm. and the future look like for Megan and Harry, you know? Yeah, well, there's a lot to unpack there. There's, you know, I think their way ahead is sort of what they've already sort of tried to do, which was get a Spotify deal, get a Netflix deal, right? work with charities. But where they sort of missed on those things is what you said, is that they didn't move forward with those. They just 
concentrating on the past. And I think even with Spare, and then when Harry said, oh, I had 400 more pages I could have released, people are like, no, like, this has to stop. Right, because there were then questions, is is he going to release another book? Right, yeah. And he he has a part of that deal, he has to release another book uh, about the Invictus games, that's part of Right, but then even that is going to, you know, you know that there's going to be personal tea in that. Of course, of course, right? Yeah. So I think, you know, for them to move forward, they really do have to almost do something way out of the box, not be focused on anything royal, you know, whether, I I, I can't think of what it could be right now. like Diana and Landmines, for example, something on that level. That's great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something you don't maybe, you know, expect from them, but something that does make a difference and something where they can sort of just focus everything they do on that sort of cause moving forward and stop bringing up the past because they won't be able to move forward by doing that. Like there's, they, like if they could read the room about what <laughs> happened after, after the Netflix doc, after Harry's spare tour, like there, it was clear that people were tired of it. Yeah. Yeah. Jody, thank you so much for making the time and for sharing your insight. It's always great to chat with you. I appreciate you, you coming, too, on, coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Jody is such a great person to talk about all of this because he has followed the Royals yeah. for so long. I've gotten the privilege to work with him on a documentary about Meghan and Harry and has also, I think, the really valuable insight, which we talked about, that he's he lives in Canada. Yeah. You know, he has a background in entertainment news, but he also has that experience of living with the monarchy kind of like all around him, you know, growing up into, uh, into now to where the monarchy actually still plays a role in the government of, you know, his country Mm -hmm. and where it's a place where the royals go to a lot. Um, So I thought that it was it was really interesting and it's great always getting, you know, the insight uh, from people who have worked with the palaces, who have worked with royal sources. And I, I, I thought what I really enjoyed was talking about the idea of sourcing and like who is authorizing the leak of these letters and who is who's not involved in it, you know, mm-hmm. because, again, I thought it was it's a very it is a very big deal about who ends up signing off on these, you know, any of this information being leaked. You know, it just I, I think the other thing that about this week is that Megan takes the spotlight in a story that seemingly she did not, you know, want out there. She's not trying to be in the spotlight, but the, but someone in the the know of what happened two years ago in the palaces wanted this story out there uh, because of the fact that Megan isn't attending the coronation. And so her presence either is is looming, whether it's physical or just physically absent. Um, and I don't know that we're going to escape that anytime soon. And one thing that I have reflected upon since we even just started to record this podcast is it's not just about Megan and her image. I think that the most positive mm-hmm. read on this is, as we've mentioned, um, and as you discussed with Jody, that she might actually be trying to participate in the healing of a broken relationship. Which is interesting. These letters and the ways and the timing in which they were leaked might not facilitate such healing yeah I, I, and that's why she would maybe want to yeah. comment um so 
if you can believe it, the coronation is nine days away. It's now focus is going to be on Prince Harry, I think, a lot. There's always the chance that, again, we're going to get, we were not expecting the story about Meghan, but my attention is certainly going to be on if we get any more stories about Harry and any drama about him getting to the UK and what he wants and what Charles doesn't want uh, for his participation. So we're going to have to wait and see. So be sure to come back and tune in for the next episode of Spilling Royalty, where undoubtedly we'll have some more news that we weren't anticipating. Spilling Royalty is a production of the TMZ Audio Network. It's produced by Maggie Van Dorn. Wild Young is our in-studio producer. Make sure you never miss an episode and subscribe or follow Spilling Royalty on your favorite podcast app. And if you like the show, share it with a friend or someone you know who likes to spill the tea. You can also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing Spilling Royalty on Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Sean Mandel. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk next week.